Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. I'm very excited to have another guest tonight, and I'm very grateful to have A Gift from Adversity going. Before I invite my guest tonight, I would like to introduce my book, which is A Gift from Adversity. I published this book in 2020, and this is about my life. And the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. And after experiencing all of this, I felt compelled to write a book about my life. And it became Amazon number one new release in three different categories. After I published my book, I have a lot of people reached out to me and told me they are also the victim of sexual abuse, homelessness, domestic violence. And I had some people contacted me saying that they are in the、um, middle of the crisis and then they didn't know what to do. And I was also invited to some conference. And along the journey, after I published my book, I felt really compelled to create a platform where people can talk about adversity and the tools that they use to overcome and a gift that came from it. And this is my episode 23. And I'm so honored to have an, another international guest. And he's from Scotland. And his name is Ross Fraser. So let's invite him. Ross, thank you so much for being here tonight. Hey, thank you very much for having me on. So you are right now in Scotland? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be hours, but that was fine. I like working at night, to be honest with you. I think. When you've got sensory issues, it's, it's nice and peaceful, and you know, the phone's not going to go, the door's not going to go. So, I kind of like working this time of night, to be honest. So, Ross, please、uh, introduce our guest who you are and then what you do.、Um, well, like I said, my name's Ross Fraser. I'm a published children's author. I created Kaleidoscope, which is the first book which has been designed. For the way an autistic mind works. And it's, it's not just for autistic children, but we have clearly defined lines in our minds when it comes to senses, and something can be very overwhelming、um, too bright, too strong. you know Colors need to be very well balanced.、Um, but I couldn't find children's books that were like that. So that's why, why I created Kaleidoscope.、Um, And it's funny because all this just started with keeping a promise to my daughter. I'd, I'd, written, a, I'd written it for her because to go back a little bit,、um, I'll go back to, to what I do in, in a minute because it's kind of complicated to, to where I am. When I was 10,、um, I started to read or write, but it, I mean, it was really basic.、Um, and it remained that way for a good. Kind of 12 years,、um, no, 20, 22 years actually, sorry. Because、um, it was mid 30s before I learned to read and write, because I didn't know I was dyslexic until I was 21. So, you know, I didn't have the tools in the school to be able to help educate me in that way.、Um, so I left school completely uneducated at 16, no qualifications.、Um, Didn't have a clue what I was going to do with my life. And at 28, I ended up having an accident which 
damaged my spine to the point where there's nothing that can be done anymore. Um, it's managing pain, and, and that's my only option. Um, so adversity has always kind of been in my life. There's never really been a point where it, it's not been there. Um, it's like there's, a, there's this perception about autistic people that, you know, some autistic people are savants and things. They're just able to use the way that our minds work. They found a way to find that balance, you know. Um, whereas I've had to fight for everything I've got. Um, you know, I've had to fight for relationships. I've had to fight for even my own identity, you know, perception of my own identity. Um, and it's really tough when you, you're just battling out the gate. You know, you don't get a break. And when you were saying about being homeless, I've been homeless three times. Um, I didn't learn, you know, about money. I, I still struggle with money, with, you know, cooking, cleaning, basics of society, because I realized that with the level of bullying I got when I was younger, um, I mean, my, my life felt really threatened three times. Um, I'll go back to that a second, but the level of bullying, I didn't think I was going to survive long enough to need those things. I didn't think I was going to need to know how to make money and how to... Sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional now. Um, I didn't know... I didn't think I was going to need those tools because I just didn't think I was going to get far enough in life to to require them, basically. Um, the three incidents I remember was somebody overturning a, like a kayak, a canoe thing, and then putting all their weight on top of it. So I literally couldn't get out of it. Um, and uh, I felt so incredibly scared in that moment. Another one was at the top of a, a cliff, and this was all in boarding school, at the top of a cliff, um, somebody pushing me and having to grab onto a branch and losing my footing. And if I'd lost it completely, if I hadn't grabbed that branch, I think I would have ended up going over. Um, but the one that made me really shut off from society and people um, was a camping trip and waking up to discover that somebody set their, their sleeping bag I was on on fire, um, burnt the bottom of it. They, they dragged me and basically put me in the bottom of the sleeping bag in the fireplace. Um, and I just thought people were too dangerous, you know. I just thought, this, forget this, it's not worth it. There, there's no way I can survive in this world. Um, so I closed myself off in a room for almost 30 years, pretty much. Um, went out to work, did what I had to, and whole time just wanted to get back to that room again, my, my safe place, you know. Um, and the scary thing realizing now looking back at everything was that I was watching the same shows from the 80s, 90s and early 2000s over and over again in the same films um, but that meant that my perception of the world didn't move on so I didn't learn about you know gender neutral and non-binary until the end of last year I didn't know about the internet and social media platforms and I'm pretty much catching up with 20 years worth of information in a matter of months and it's it is absolutely overwhelming to be honest with you because um, I didn't realise how much of the world it had shot out 
uh, even to the point of chocolate bars. I was in a shop with my wife, and my perception of chocolate bars was still from the 90s. So we walked down the aisle, and I saw a milky bar. And I picked it up, and I'm like, where's the rest of it gone? Are we getting this in installments now? I mean, like, where's the rest of my chocolate bar, you know? <laughs> because my mind was still how it was, you know, 20, 20 30 years ago. Because I've been watching the same things over and over again. I hadn't been interacting with people. I hadn't been watching TV. And I'd been shut off from the world completely. And I didn't realise it got to that point. So to answer your question of what I do for a living, I was um, I don't I don't get paid. I do this because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, but at forty one, I was diagnosed as autistic, and it didn't seem like a good enough answer for, answer for the life I'd had. Um, and then at forty two, I was diagnosed with ADHD, and for the first time in my life, I could actually understand myself why I react in the way I do, the mental processes, and essentially what's going on in my head, um, where the fear comes from, the fact that we communicate in a different way, that our minds work in possibilities, whereas neurotypical people seem to work in, um, sorry, our, yeah, our minds work in possibilities, and neurotypical people seem to work in probability. So you see the more likely event, whereas I see anything that is possible as a possibility. And then I have to start narrowing down the options. Um, so if there's like one negative and three positives, you're still going to worry about the negative because you know it could happen. You know, our, our minds work in different ways. Um, and last year, then last year, I became a human, human rights activist for the autistic and neurodivergent community because I don't want my life repeating in others, you know. The fact that I go online now and I, I have a look at the post and I don't understand 30% of what people are saying, you know, it's, it's terrifying because I think if it gets to the point where life feels that inaccessible, you shut yourself off completely and decide that you'd rather just live the rest of your life on your own stuck in a box like a bloody Buzz Lightyear figure, you know, it, it's, people shouldn't have lives like that, <laughs> you know, that's, that shouldn't be what life is, um, and I was asked in, a, in an interview recently, if I could do one thing for myself, what would it be, it took me three weeks to answer that question, I couldn't give them an answer at the time, you know, I had to think about it very, very deeply because I don't think I'd ever put myself first or thought about what I want from life because it just didn't seem an option, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, everything I've done has been since my diagnosis 18 months ago. Um, actually, uh, oddly enough, to the day. Um, so, it's... I had to show that the perception of autism is wrong, it's misunderstood, that it's actually causing a lot of people pain because we aren't being seen for who we are, we're being seen for neurotypical people and then punished for not being them, you know. Um, I mean, just for an example, I have a binary thought process, you know, this world isn't binary, this world isn't right or wrong, It's there's too many grey areas. 
and I don't see them, I don't perceive them because it's just not the way my mind works. Um, but I've tripped over them countless times because I do, to me they're invisible social lines, you know. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's hard to define what I do because I don't see myself the same way as other people do. Um, I see myself as somebody who's pretty much seen the, some of the worst things that life can throw at you and decided that it, it's not the life that other people should be having, that the future generations deserve better, to be honest with you. Um, and I think part of the problem we have in society is we never draw a line. We don't really say, you know, okay, this isn't really working. You know, there's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of pain being brought here. You know, we're not forgetting the past. We're bringing it up over and over again. And, we're repeating cycles that unless we decide that actually enough's enough, people's more important than things, you know, the world's more important than what we're doing to it for what, you know? So we can have nice products sitting on shelves that in 80 years isn't going to matter because we're not going to be here anyway, but our children are going to be here. You know, other people's children are going to be here. Future generations don't need to to be able to survive and thrive. And children need to be given the best possible start they can. And when it comes to autistic children, that starts with understanding. You know, it starts with knowing that you need to make environments positive because with a binary thought process, negative environments will lead to a negative mindset. And it is really tough to get out of that. Our minds constantly process information. So whatever's in our head is going to be processed. Um, you put a negative thought in that, a misunderstanding which the other person might have forgotten in 20 minutes is going to replay for days, weeks, months, years even, you know? I mean, when I started doing this um, and started talking about my life, I had to call up my mum and I had to say to her, you know, when I was a child, I used to go into your room and open my Christmas presents so I knew what they were and take them all down again, you know. And it wasn't because I couldn't wait to Christmas, but I couldn't deal with the anxiety of not knowing, you know. I, I need information. I need very precise information. I need it to be clear. When you get the confusion coming in of people not communicating in the same way or not being that direct, that open, that, you know, precise that's where the confusion comes in because it's not how my mind needs the information to be delivered um and being told that here's a box you're going to find out what it is in a month's time that that doesn't work from my head you know it, it's something i find very difficult to process because that question is always going to be there you know um and if you amplify that into life you can imagine how difficult that is you know so Ross, thank you so much for answering that. So I asked you to do the introduction, but it led to, I think, the uh, question of the adversity part of it. And I apologize. Yeah, I am new to all this. I'm, I'm appreciative that you shared with me. So I know you shared a lot, but what would you say you mentioned about 
you know, being diagnosed for autism at later in your life, and then yeah. also bullying, and also um, about your back um, accident and stuff. So, what yeah. would you say the greatest adversity of all? Um, which one would you say? <laughs> or it's all. Yeah. Package like everything. Do you, do you know what? Do you know, I mean, I've been frightened my entire life. I'm frightened of people pretty much. And there's only ever been a very small amount of people that fell into my life and decided to stay. I appreciate them really deep. I actually appreciate everybody that's been in my life because they've helped me at times I needed. You know, they may not have been in my life the entire time, but when I needed them, they were there. Um, and and what kind of made me say, right, enough's enough, I'm going to do this now, I'm going to help support the community, I'm going to talk about my life and put it out there, it was simply that I realised that I've been dealing with adversity so much in my life. It, 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 was, it was a constant. Every single day was a fight. But why fear a constant? Why fear something you have to deal with day after day after day? And that was a turning point for me. You know, it was like, actually, this is my life, this is what I'm going to have to deal with, you know. Well, I apologize for putting it this way, but sod it, I may as well just go on and do it, you know, I may as well face it and fight it and try and make some positives in the world for people in the process. Yeah, so I would say, um, you know, I, I'm sorry about all this adversity that happened to you and then all the challenges that you have to um, overcome and face. Mm. Uh, were there a lot of people, or were there some people who are absolutely supportive of what you were going through, like your parents or close friends that you were able to share? Yeah, the unfortunate thing is because of the late diagnosis and the differences in communication, I mean, we tend to be more open and honest, more direct, um, like a bullet point kind of style of communication. But it is different. It, I think a lot of misunderstandings come down to a shared language, but two entirely different ways of communicating. I, I think that's essentially what it all comes down to. Um, so I couldn't talk to my parents. I couldn't open up. I couldn't, I, I couldn't really talk to anybody until my wife. Um, I met her four months after the accident. and. Honestly, she changed my my life, my world. She made things brighter. She she's just phenomenal. I mean, you know, I don't I don't see myself the way other people do. My wife doesn't see herself the way I do. But honestly, somebody said to me, you know, if you could have your day with your perfect woman, you know, who would it be? And I said, dude, I live with my perfect woman. You know, I wouldn't change anything. Honestly, she, she's right there. You know, that's that's how I feel about her. Um, because without her, I wouldn't have found me. And it's as simple as that, you know. Um, so we got married. We met when I was 28. We got engaged 10 weeks later. Um, we got married two years later. And we've been together almost 15 years now. Um, and I couldn't communicate very well with her. I, I could kind of, you know, place to place, but I did find it really difficult. It took me 12 years to actually find a way to, to talk to her properly and open up properly. 
And for those 12 years, I expected her to leave me pretty much every day because um, I wasn't used to people staying in my life. That was the problem. So even though she would reassure me that she loved me and tell me multiple times a day, I always had that fear of, you know, that one day this was going to end. And she was too important to me, you know. Um, if you can tell, I can get really emotional talking about my wife because I, I think she's phenomenal. Um, I wouldn't be doing any of this without my wife and daughter, you know. I'm, um, there, there was two female friends that, that fell into my life as well. I mean, I don't use names because just out of respect, I don't want to, you know, bring them into it and, and have the spotlight put on them if they don't want it. Um, but the first close friend I, I made, she, um, I mean, that was 29, uh, sorry, 39. It was almost 40. Um, she worked with autistic people for 10 years. And I think that really helped because she saw in me what no one else had. She helped me understand myself. She let me open up in a way I'd never been able to do, not even with my wife. She gave me the tools to start unpacking you know, a lifetime worth of information that had been stuck in my head that was often my perception of the world and no one else's because I was different. So, you know, um, honestly, the people I've had in my life, they, 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 they're the ones that changed it. Um, they just gave me the tools I've always needed, I think. And then I met my second friend um, only about a year ago, and she's got two autistic children, and she's, she's brilliant. She actually taught me how to communicate because I hadn't spent enough time around people to know how to talk to people. It was always like, you know, small talk. Um, and it, it took about three months of her messaging me every single day just so I could understand how a conversation went. So there wasn't that constant fear of, okay, what do I say now? What do I do now, you know? And I think that's why I often ended conversations because I just didn't know where it went next. I didn't know how it progressed, you know. Well, Ross, thank you so much for sharing all this information and uh, your life story and adversity. I really appreciate you being vulnerable. And I know it's emotional to share all of this, but I hope um, <laughs> having this conversation um, gave you a little bit of understanding more and then being objective and also for our audience to understand and especially people who are suffering or having this condition of being uh, autistic but not being diagnosed and i'm interested in um about being advocate for that now yeah um i mean i wouldn't the word suffering is difficult because i i don't see autism itself as a disability. I see the impact of the world as the disability. Um, and there is a lot of suffering. You, you're completely right when it comes to that. I just don't think it's the condition that's the issue. I think it's how our world has changed um, in even the last 50 years. I mean, if you think about the century impact we have now, you know, compared to we did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, it is getting worse. Um, and when your senses are very sharp and you do have that kind of, you know, okay, this is the limit now, we can't deal with this anymore, 
living in a world that constantly bombards you with sensory information can be a nightmare. Um, so I do what I do just to try and, and ensure that there's a bit more understanding out there that um, if I can explain things in a way that, that people understand, absolutely brilliant. Because I think that that's what the next generation needs is just the compassion and understanding. And the fact that, you know, we do struggle. Meltdowns aren't a choice. They're mental overload to the point it feels like your brain's exploding. Um, I mean, the way I describe a meltdown is that it's like being in a car crash. So, you know, you're as scared as everybody else. You're as frightened and worried as everybody else. You know, you, you just have to get through it and hope that everybody's going to be fine. But the problem is it feels like you cause the crash. Um, sorry, I'm going to get really emotional again. Every single time, it feels like you're responsible. So you take the impact of that. You take the hit on that every time. Um, so, yeah, you know, there needs to be understanding because I think that given a chance autistic people could do a lot more in this world, we could have a, a real place in this world. And the other thing as well, neurotypical and you know, neurodivergent people do see the world in different ways because we think in different ways. So I think if we can come together, you know, we could we could see this world in a huge way, a much greater way than we do now, because we have those shared viewpoints, you know. Right. So, what are the tools that worked for you to overcome your adversity that you can? either recommend to people, um, like some website, like anything that you think of that you actually used to overcome your adversity? Um, there, there's an easy answer to that and a complicated one. Um, and they're kind of the same. It, it was perception, really. It was understanding that my perception of the world and other people's perception of me and in fact, the identity that other people put on me over the years of, you know, oh, you're rude, you're offensive, and me not having a clue what they were talking about because it's not the way I saw the world, you know. That was layers that I had to be taught and I had somebody to explain to me. Um, so it was, it was understanding that actually I've, I've not been seen for myself, I've not been understood for who I am, that people thought, I had low morals when I actually got really strong values and morals. Um, and it was just a complete opposite perception of who I was. So it was understanding that that, that made a huge difference for me. And that was a lot to do with my friends and my wife. We're just sitting down and saying, look, you know, the way you see yourself isn't right. That That's not accurate. Um, and I was convinced it was because that's how it'd been seen, you know, it, I was looked at as, as stupid and looked at as, as somebody who should be shunned and kind of, you know, a constant target. And it gives you a perception of yourself that is inaccurate and that hurts because that's how you see yourself, whether it's true or not. Um, so being able to kind of smash those perceptions, even in my own mind, even if I've not managed to do it in, in the greater way yet and people you know everybody doesn't see who, who i am and understand me yet that's okay if that happens that's fine because i do now you know i i get myself um 
and I was never the bad person people made me out to be and and feel like and you know I actually want the best for the greatest amount of people in the planet as possible you know that's why I'm a human rights activist I wouldn't do this otherwise you know everybody should have acceptance everybody in the planet because it doesn't belong to anyone you know nobody should feel that they do not have a place in this world and if that's what I spend the rest of my life doing if that's my contribution to the world if that that's what my life comes to that's brilliant I'm happy with that you know because I really couldn't see myself doing anything that fit me better so perception yeah overcoming perception but would have to be top of the list well, thank you so much for sharing that. And the reason why I always ask my guests to share about their tools uh, yeah. to overcome the adversity is because there are a lot of information out there, a lot of books, uh, people recommend these things, but I wanted to ask what worked best. So thank you so much for saying that. No worries. I mean, now, to me, if you, don't, if you don't mind me just saying, it comes down to two things in my head. And that is simply that, you know, hurt people often use hurtful words sure but but if you take that on you're taking on their pain that you're basically absorbing some of their pain you know so don't take that on if somebody makes you feel that they that you do not belong in their world they don't belong in your head simple as that you know because we should all have our own viewpoint and we should all have a chance in life and our lives so yeah, it, it just you know, don't worry about how other people see you. If, you. if you see who you are, just go for life because you only get one. Well, thank you so much, Dad. So hurtful, hurt, hurt people use hurtful comments. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where a lot of the pain comes from. Is somebody's hurt and they they want to release vents get rid of some of that you know so they say something that hurts somebody else they get hurt they hurt somebody else and i think that's kind of how we've ended up with the world we have to be honest because i very very rarely see the words you know agree to disagree or you know i value your opinion or you know just even like you you're entitled to your viewpoint you're entitled to your perspective and I think if we don't do that and we don't add those back into society and into, into, you know, communities and culture, then we're going to end up in a place we can't come back from, you know? Right. Well, Ross, thank you very much. And then um, before my last question, which is the gift part, do you have any social media website that people can follow? Yeah, well, my link tree is at the top of my um, website, so I'll just give that because um, all my all my social media links are in there. So yeah. if you go to um, www.mylifeautistic.com. Okay, mylifeautistic.com. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. Now, let's move on to our last question, which is a gift that came from your adversity. Can you share our audience what is the gift that came from the adversity? Um, there's been a few actually. Uh, finding my community, finding people that I can communicate with, um, 
you know, like, for example, like I said, there are differences between autistic and non-autistic people. I can't read body language of non-autistic people, but I can with autistic people, and I can communicate, you know, really naturally with them. Um, so I appreciated finding that after years of being confused and just not having conversations with people, really, you know. Um, I appreciate the fact that I've been put in a position by the community and caregivers that I can make a positive change in this world, hopefully, you know. Um, I'm wanting to build a, or help build, it will always be belong to the community, but help with the social media platform um, for the community, for autistic people and caregivers, so that there's somewhere for us, you know. Uh, we've got an online home. Um, I'm wanting to create music for the community, a YouTube channel that people can put in short films and animations and, you know, there's a definite void when it comes to media at the moment. But why can't we create it ourselves? Why can't we fill that ourselves? Why can't we come together and, you know, get the things that other people have at the moment that we're missing and actually ensure that the next generation gets the understanding it needs and gets all these things, you know? So I guess in a lot of ways, my gift is getting to be me, getting to be seen for being me, finding my community and people who, who really do understand me. Um, and having an opportunity to make my life matter because it really didn't before this, you know? it's I couldn't see the point in my life. It, it's When adversity is something you have to deal with, and there are people in this world who will have worse lives than mine that will have to have you know all the pain that i did all the suffering all this struggle and so much more you know it's adversity shouldn't be a constant in your life and it was mine and if that means that the gift i'm given out of it is that i get to try and help ensure other people don't have to have that life Fantastic. I'll take that. that. That works for me. That is very um, inspiring to hear that you can use adversity to turn around and then try to uh, advocate for other people and try to bring more awareness and an understanding about um, autistic uh, diagnosis. And then um, I think it's um, important that our society understand all kind of people on kind of conditions and um there's a platform and there's a community that you said that early on that you know if they can find those community and you know be able to identify all these traits that you struggle without getting misunderstand um yeah. every day i think that would really help so what you're doing is very vulnerable and then important work um, and then for the generations to come. And then I think a lot of times when you think about the community service or impact that you're making, you always wanna think about long-term effect instead of like right now. So I think what you are doing can last a long time and then could last for the gen generations to come. So, um, I encourage you, and I'm sure uh, our audience uh, feels the same, that um, it's very, very um, 
brave of you to understand first of all but then also um trying to help other people using this adversity yeah i appreciate you saying that um i, I think i mean you'll agree when you you have a life that's a struggle you kind of have to find a positive out of it you have to find a reason for for that you know even if it is just a case of, of ensuring that other people get better chances and you know don't have to go through the same thing you know you, you do need to find a reason for it in your own head because otherwise i think going through life with something that brings you pain and not being able to turn it into something you can cope with that you can mentally deal with um it, it, it just brings you down it just tears you down um so you know the community empower me as much as i empower them it's it is a dual thing they give me encouragement they keep pushing me to keep doing this and keep going forward and without that i wouldn't be able to do it you know so let's hope that all the voices like yours like mine like you know everybody out there that's trying to bring a better world trying to bring people together trying to put an end to pain and suffering because there's just too much of it in this world now you know the yeah. end of the day that someone else's life isn't your problem your problem is, is your life and you shouldn't dictate how someone else lives we all get one opportunity at this life one chance and i think everybody should have it you know no exceptions no boundaries just you know, because you can imagine what people could create and do with this world if everybody was actually given the chance to have hope and live up to potential. Could be incredible, you know? Yes, absolutely. And just to let you know and then let audience know that I grew up in Japan and then I'm a survivor of the child sex abuse and then domestic violence. And those are the things that never, ever talked about in yeah, Japan yeah. and the people didn't really believe me and those are the things then stigma of just talking about it so that is one of the reasons why that I wanted to create this platform so I really appreciate you coming to share uh, your vulnerable personal story with us about a gift and from adversity that came from it so I um, appreciate you so much and then I just hope that everybody should know that it's, you know, all your control and then how you handle the life um, and then how you can reach out to people. You can now be an advocate because you went through so much pain. And I believe in that. I believe in giving back to the community. I believe in um, helping other people, simple. Um, but then with or without adversity, and especially with the adversity, I think you can be more um, understanding and, yeah. you know, um, being there for people who are struggling with the issues that you went through or I went through, mm -hmm. so that it's not just coming from surface, but it's coming from the experience where people can trust you and then maybe listen to you more. Um, so anyways, I appreciate you again for um, being in um, such a late time zone in Scotland, but coming to uh, the show. Thank you so much again, Ross. 
Yeah, honestly, thank you very much for having me on. I just want to say I really appreciate and admire what you do as well. You know, I I think there's a lot of people out there that, that do what we do now and are advocates and trying to make the world better. And I appreciate every single one of them because I think that this is what it's going to take. It's going to take lots of open and honest conversation, you know, and, and people like you are doing it. So honestly, thank you for building this platform. Thank you for having me on. I do really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Ross, you are such a treasure. And then um, keep going and then keep helping other people and then keep advocating for other people as well. So Definitely. thank you everyone for watching another episode of Gift Mama Adversity. And I have more um, exciting guests coming from all over the world. I'm very, very grateful to have this um, guests, including Ross, coming to our show. Have a great night and then see you next time. Take care, everyone. Cheers.